Hi, and welcome to Elevate Potential. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a podcast that is designed to help you escape patterns, embrace passion, and elevate potential. My name is Elizabeth Perry, and as a lifelong student of psychology, personal development, and human potential, as well as a transpersonal life and leadership coach, I will be your guide as together we learn from others who are on this journey. Let's dive in. Sometimes we shy away from the word alone and mm-hmm. even the concept of being alone. Cause like, yeah, if you're sitting at a cafe and you're not with anyone else, like you're alone. <laughs> or if you're in <laughs> your office and you're working on that next book you want to write or that podcast that you're working on, you are alone in that moment. I recently went to South Africa for a month. I went to this release party for this artist called Leon John, and he has this song called Alone. And the concept of it is just about how the healing that you experience, the goals that you're going to accomplish, so many of those magical moments that you have, those like moments of inspiration and creativity, they happen within you. They happen when you're alone and it requires alone time to get there. Like, yes, there's things that you do with other people that are transformational, but a lot of the transformation that we experience happens when we're alone. Hi, and welcome to Elevate Potential. I know it has been a minute since Annette and I have spoken with you. And so today we want to give you a quick update, like a one-year recap on what's happened since we spoke last. We left you with themes of attachment and upper limit problem. And today we want to talk with you a little bit about alone time, your relationship with yourself, and courage. Both of us have really had so many transformational experiences over the past year and So we're really excited to dive in all of those with you today. All right. So it's been a year. (laughs) It has. (laughs) Like I feel like that's such an understatement for both of us. It has been a transformational year. Totally. I mean, last time we did an episode together, I remember I was at Chris's apartment in Marina Del Rey and we were doing attachment part two. I think that was the last one, right? Yeah, absolutely. I know conversations around kind of exploring this new relationship potential. And now, now we're there. (laughs) I was actually (laughs) looking to see what was the last episode, but now I'm in Arkansas and we moved here together and we've been together for a year and some change. And that whole experience has been a journey. I mean, from meeting Chris, and falling in love. I think that for a really long time, I didn't necessarily believe that that was possible. And now that I'm in a relationship, believing that I am lovable, like believing that I'm worthy of love, I realize how often that comes up and how all of the work that I did to cultivate alone time and to cultivate self-love prior to getting into a relationship It's even more important when you're in a relationship. And I didn't necessarily know that going into one. I thought that it was like work that you do when you're single. And then once you're in a relationship, like you kind of can take a break from like the self-love and self-acceptance. But in reality, personally, I've had to double down on that. And 
be even more intentional about getting alone time because it's harder to get alone time when you're in a relationship and you're juggling friendships and you're juggling life situations. So yeah, I mean, that's a lot in one bucket, but. (laughs) So I would love to know what does self-love look like now that you're in a relationship? Honestly, I feel like I'm still figuring that out, but As of lately, what it means is carving out time for myself. And just the other day, you know, I had gotten home from the gym and Chris wanted to watch a movie, but I didn't necessarily want to watch a movie right then. I was like, I need to take a shower. So then I took a shower and I was like listening to Taylor Swift's most recent album and just started like dancing around the bathroom and (laughs) Spend time like in my feminine girl zone, in my cute pajamas, lathering myself up with lotion, dancing in the mirror, just being me. And I think moving in together has been one of those things where it's like you really have to carve out that alone time because it's so easy just to like watch a show together because you're there or be on the phone talking filling that empty space. But when I was single, that empty space, I had, I had to spend it with myself, but now it's like, I want to spend time with myself and I have to be intentional about making that happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I don't have the same experience as far as being in a relationship right now, but I can really identify with the setting the intention of spending time with yourself, because that's something that I had to do a lot while I was traveling. It was often this decision of, do I go somewhere and try to make friends or do I explore this new place by myself? And there's also, I think, this distinction too of being intentional about spending this time by yourself versus being alone or being lonely. And so much of that to me came from just my mindset and my intention and prioritizing what that meant to me. Yeah. And I think sometimes we shy away from the word alone and Mm. even the concept of being alone. Cause like, yeah, if you're sitting at a cafe and you're not with anyone else, like you're alone, (laughs) or if you're in (laughs) your office and you're working on that next book you want to write or that podcast that you're working on, you are alone in that moment. I recently went to South Africa for a month. I went to this release party for this artist called Leon John, and he has this song called Alone. And the concept of it is just about how the healing that you experience, the goals that you're going to accomplish, so many of those magical moments that you have, those like moments of inspiration and creativity, they happen within you. They happen when you're alone and it requires alone time to get there. Like, yes, there's things that you do with other people that are transformational, but a lot of the transformation that we experience happens when we're alone. I wonder if you experienced that at all, like while you were traveling and I would love for you to catch people up on just like all the places you've been as well. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to circle back to the feeling of what do we do with our alone time? And as far as the catch up, so the last episode we recorded, I was in Mexico City and it was the beginning of this journey 
of traveling for the last year. I don't think at the time I knew that I was going to be traveling for a year or, you know, just over a year, but I was just open to the world of possibilities. After Mexico City, I spent some time in Peru and then uh, went back to Mexico City for a little while, went to Italy with family and then spent a couple months in Paris or just outside of Paris. And part of that experience was figuring out what my life looked like every time I changed locations. And I also want to preface with, I feel very, yeah, I think we're very similar experiences. I know that it was possible because of the connections that I have. And part of something that you and I have talked about with the travel business is I want to give that experience to other people. That's why I wanted to create the travel business is I've had these amazing life-changing most places travel is my favorite thing to do was just but part of it was learning how to travel by myself and I feel like a lot of people are scared to do that a lot of people think that it's dangerous or you have to make all these decisions but truly the hardest part about traveling alone is but making decisions of how to spend time and for me it was actually towards the end of my travel when I was in Paris I felt almost guilty for being in this amazing place. And I travel with my ukulele everywhere. And the number of times I've actually touched it is really sad. (laughs) So it's, for me, part of the guilt, like I shouldn't be there. And it wasn't until like the second month that I started. I tried to make friends, but because I wasn't staying, but also just putting on a show and not feeling bad, like, ooh, this isn't a productive use. <laughs> Ironically enough, we need time to just turn off our brains and Who enjoy. Knew? But the piece that I also wanted to share as far as my kind of self-love journey, and I'm curious if you've had any opportunities to experience something like this. A few weeks ago now, maybe months ago, I do uh, is not a play shop. A friend of mine does play workshops and recess for adults. And she does one class where it's connecting with your glowy feminine essence. I call it a sexy dance class. That is so important. <laughs> to me, that is something kind of that I focus feel like I really learned when I was in LA is to us and who you in surround the first class that we did, is I had this so, kind of realization so of how I do your growth for myself. Transformation. And, and to me, you know, towards the end of my experience there, I realized Okay, yeah, when you find your people, your growth just able is to kind exponential of in comparison to like when you're spending time with people that really aren't aligned to you. Seen and in other women I think is when, when you're traveling in a new city so or for me, just like love with them to a new place. It doesn't matter who's watching. It sometimes matter alone who time is, is better than time with people who and this aren't aligned to the person you want to be or the experiences you want to have or your own personal growth journey. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious too, as we talk about this value of alone time, what to you is the ideal kind of alone time? What are kind of your go-to activities? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that so often I put pressure on my alone time. Like I have to be doing something productive. Oftentimes I'll use my alone time to like run errands or get work done, almost like 
my alone time are the dues that I pay in order to spend time with other people. Like I have to get shit done so that I could spend time with other people. And I just realized how hurtful that has been to my relationship with myself. Like imagine if you had a friend that only spent time with you out of necessity and you were like just a step in their day and they were really only spending time with you so that they could go do something else. When I put it in that context, I realized that I don't spend enough quality time present with myself, just allowing myself to play and experience my own being. And so as of lately, I've really been trying to spend time with myself, like out in nature or getting creative. I mean, I've been painting more, playing guitar, doing things that aren't necessarily productive. And yes, I still have to run errands. Yes, I still have to do laundry. Yes, I still have to cook. Cooking can be creative, but for me, it's really just not. Um, <laughs> you and me both. I'll be okay. honest. I'm trying, I'm trying to find some art in cooking because it's like something you do all the time, but haven't found it yet. But spending more time in frivolous, just play with myself and you know, I've learned this lesson before, but I don't know when I lost sight of it, probably getting into a relationship because then I just had like less time to juggle, less time to myself. But yeah, I would say like the most productive alone time that I spend is that time where it's like unplanned, but scheduled and just creative, like playing guitar, going out in nature, painting, playing with my dog, doing things that I could just be completely present and really enjoy myself. Yes. I love that you use the word play because I feel like that's something that is so important to humans that we, for some reason, forget about once we grow up and become adults. We're like, no, that's for kids. And it's like, no, that is a core need that we have to do things just for the joy, just for the fun of it. Totally. I think that sometimes adults would take the levity out of life. We, and especially me, like, I think that when you grow up really fast, it's easy to just be in adult mode. And I think one of the things that I love about Chris is like, he teaches me how to be a kid again. That is what infuses that curiosity and creativity into our lives. But I was wondering for you, I know that you've had a lot of alone time when you were traveling as well. What were some of the transformational moments or ways that you spent your alone time that have been really helpful for you? Yeah, I think we're very similar in wanting to have the structure for this alone time and feeling like if there's structure, if there's intention, then it's valuable time. Like, I want to make sure that I'm reading all the books and learning all the things. And in most places that I was, my favorite thing to do was just to go for a walk and get lost. Like, if I was working for a long time on my computer, I would just, like, take a break and just go and get lost, especially in Paris, because the streets are just all amazing. And you get lost down a corner and you're like, where am I? Where in history am I? (laughs) But aside from just going for walks, I think... Part of it for me was also discovering like, what are the things that I really enjoy doing and maybe rediscovering. You talked about music. I travel with my ukulele everywhere and the number of times I've actually touched it is really sad. (laughs) So it's for me, part of the 
kind of exploring the alone time has been a rediscovery of what are those things that make me happy. I've been doing a lot more writing. I've explored some meditations, but also just putting on a show and not feeling bad, like, ooh, this isn't a productive use of my time. We need time to just turn off our brains and enjoy. The piece that I also wanted to share as far as my kind of self-love journey, and I'm curious if you've had any opportunities to experience something like this. A few weeks ago now, maybe months ago, I did a class. It was a play shop. A friend of mine does play workshops and recess for adults. And she does one class where it's connecting with your glowy feminine essence. I call it a sexy dance class because <laughs> to me, that's kind of the focus is exploring what sexy is to us. And in the first class that we did, I had this kind of realization of how I define sexy for myself. And to me, sexy is self-love on display. I've always admired women who are able to kind of explore and be sexy. But the sexiest thing that I've seen in other women is when they are so just in love with themselves. It doesn't matter who's watching. It doesn't matter who else is around. It's just this confidence and this just self-love. I love that. Over the past year, I had been working with a intimacy coach and she helps you just find more closeness in your relationships and get comfortable with that closeness. And it was really interesting to me how much of our coaching was kind of building that relationship with myself. And one of the activities that we did was like envisioning your, and I don't remember exactly what she called it, like inner goddess or divine feminine self. And when I envisioned that self, some of the things that stood out the most was confidence and self-assurance and self-trust and self-loving and therefore like loving of others, you know, and being in that divine feminine space. And even in my head, I can still picture what I pictured at that moment. And like, I just looked fierce, you know, a fierceness that I don't know that I've cultivated as much definitely as of lately, but I agree that sometimes self-love means just doing whatever you need to do to like feel that confidence and embrace your sexy, you know? I wonder for you, because I know that we've had conversations about this a lot where both of us, I mean, I'll speak for myself, like grew up pretty repressed (laughs) sexually. Mm -hmm. What was that experience (laughs) like, you know, just doing that sexy dance class and embracing (laughs) that side of yourself. Yeah, I wish everyone could take this class, honestly. She does such a wonderful job of creating a safe space with the other women. It's a max of 10, but also creating a safe space for you to explore for yourself. I think going into it, I was very aware of the other people and if they're watching me if they're judging me and then there's a moment in the middle of the class where I realized I am the only one judging me right now (laughs) this is all my internal dialogue my internal fears and I think part of it came from at one point she gave us permission she encouraged us to just look at ourselves in the mirror 
and like dance with ourselves. And at first that was really scary just to like watch myself. But then the more that I let myself do that and just watch myself dance and just feel not sexy, because if I think, well, ooh, I want to feel sexy, it feels contrived. But just watching myself move to the music and let go of the judgment and just feel in my whole body, in my extremities, full of love for me, everyone else in the room disappeared. <laughs> like I was having a dance party with myself in the room. So I think that's something that if I could encourage anyone, man or woman right now to do something today to just explore what self-love looks like and putting self-love on display. It's what you talked about earlier when you said you went into the shower, you put on your Taylor Swift and you had that just like moment and dance party with yourself. That is what I wish for everyone to do. Have a dance party with yourself. Explore the way that your body moves, the way that your body takes up space explore the different facial expressions that come up, the way that your body wants to move with the music. And what I found helpful with a class is because <laughs> I like directions. <laughs> I, I struggle when I don't know what to do and I feel like silly, but making it a practice. Maybe that's it. Just making it a practice and exploring different movements and not judging yourself for it. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I didn't do a sexy dance class, but I definitely <laughs> had a sexy dance moment with myself in my own bathroom in my sleep dress that I just feel good about myself in. And I will say that there's something about dancing in the mirror that changes it for me. I think mirror work is really important. There was a moment when I was flying I get really anxious when I'm flying and then I was having like anxiety provoking conversation with the person who was sitting next to me. And so I decided to take a break and go to the bathroom because I was kind of spiraling in my head. And I looked in the mirror at myself and just like that eye contact with myself was so grounding. And I think that the mirror is just a really important part of the process and really important part of the dance party is like dancing in the mirror and looking at yourself because there is just something so vulnerable about it, but also so grounding about just looking at yourself and like looking at yourself in dance in like an uninhibited mm -hmm. way. Because how often do we look in the mirror to like find an imperfection or find something that's wrong with us or put something on our face, especially as women. And that to me is like opposite of what mirror time should be and could be. Like when you're dancing and just like unadulterated joy and self-love and acceptance, you see yourself in a new light versus seeing only your imperfections, the way that we're like trained to look at ourselves in the mirror, almost filtering for the negative. But when you're just dancing and enjoying and being sexy and loving yourself or looking in the mirror and affirming yourself and saying, you got this, you can trust yourself, you know, that I think changes the way we see ourselves and what we're looking for when we look in the mirror. Absolutely. It's so weird. Either last night or the night before, I had a dream where I was doing something like that and someone said that I was vain. And I was like, 
hold on, wait a second, let me teach you something. Because I think that there's this sometimes feeling of like, oh, if I stare at myself, then that's I'm conceited or I'm full of myself. And really what it is, is a self-love. You should have this overwhelming love for yourself. And the other piece that you said that really hit home for me is, I remember at one point, I want to say I was young, like middle or high school, thinking, wow, I think I'm the prettiest in the morning. (laughs) Like when I look in the mirror before brushing my teeth, before getting ready for the day, that's when I'm the prettiest. And the thought a second later was the reason I think that is because I haven't had the time to judge all my imperfections. There's like the split second before all of those voices come in about, well, your skin isn't perfect or your body isn't this ideal shape or all these things. There's just like this moment of, no, you are perfect the way you are and you are, you know, the way that you're supposed to be. Mm, That is so beautiful. I sometimes want to connect back to that younger self because similarly, I used to really hate makeup growing up. I used to just think like, why do people put on makeup? I also used to say like, the person who you're supposed to be with isn't going to be able to see that they love you with all that stuff on your face. <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, I really believed in soulmates when I was younger. And I was just like, my soulmate is going to love me with no makeup exactly the way that I am, because that's the person who they're meant to be with. I think that when we're kids, we have this love for ourselves that is just so beautiful. I don't know, you could catch a little kid like staring at themselves in the mirror, you know, and you wouldn't call that vain. But for some reason, as we get older, loving ourselves becomes a negative and becomes selfish. And I mean, that's something I'm personally really trying to work through is like, it's not selfish to love yourself. It's not selfish to push towards goals that you want for yourself. It's not selfish to want to live an abundant life and to feel like you have abundance. That's not selfish. It's taking care of yourself. It's loving yourself. It's embracing your highest self. And that is not selfish. That inspires other people to do the same. Instead, when you say like, oh, when you put yourself down, when you talk badly about yourself, when you don't let your own light shine, that also rubs off on others. And it's almost selfish to put yourself down because it really does impact everyone else around you as well. I want to jump in because yeah, I agree, disagree. I agree with everything you're saying, except Uh, I think the last couple of years, I've kind of like taken back ownership of the word selfish as not a negative. Being selfish by definition is taking care of yourself above others. And as people who want to be in service to others, who want to be good people, we think selfish is bad because in certain contexts, yes, it can be bad. But When I think about self-love and being selfish and taking care of me, sometimes that means taking care of me above someone else. And that is okay. That's where boundaries come in. That's where these other pieces come in. But to me, it's been this kind of retaking ownership of the word selfish because I've had people tell me, oh, you're being selfish and, you know, try to change my ways because of it. And I think it's healthy and helpful to be selfish 
in certain contexts. <laughs> Again, not everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. I think that this idea of you're being selfish is something that's definitely ingrained. They say that when there is a resentment that comes up towards someone in your life, usually it's because you wish you could do that. Like, you know, resentment is kind of rooted in jealousy. And I often find that some of my biggest resentments are when I feel other people are being selfish. Mm. And to me, what that says is I wish I could be a little bit more selfish. I wish I could care for myself in the way that they're caring for themselves in this moment, which is not taking into consideration my needs or anyone else's around them. It's really just taking care of themselves. And I think that so often I put my own self on hold in order to care for other people. And that creates that resentment, which is something that I'm honestly like really still working through. Like I'm still in the thick of. Absolutely. I love how you described selfish in the context of how we see it in others and how there are situations where we'll see other people being selfish. We admire or wish that we could do that for ourselves. I'm curious, kind of thinking, keeping that in mind, what is there in this season of your life that you're wanting to be selfish with? How are you putting your kind of self-love first? I think for me, it really goes back to alone time. There's so many instances where I'm not feeling at my best, but I still put on a face and I'm around people, whether it be with my family or with other people like friends or at a networking event. And I go because maybe I feel like I have to go, or maybe I think that spending time with them will get me out of this funk. When in reality, usually what I really need is alone time, like some time getting creative and basking in self-love, like getting myself back into a good mindset rather than depending on having a good conversation at a networking event or even putting on a fake face and kind of fake it till you make it happiness, Mm -hmm. which not going to lie, sometimes works for a little while. But over time, that feeling just kind of builds up, especially when I'm not getting adequate alone time and I'm depending on a good conversation with someone or the fake it till you make it approach. Because then when I do get alone, there's so much to unpack because I hadn't been spending that time. So for me, being selfish looks like not going to the networking event if I'm not feeling like networking. Taking time away from family if I'm starting to feel overwhelmed instead of pushing through. It really just looks like spending more time with myself so that I could love myself and cultivate hobbies and reach towards the goals that I want to accomplish and prioritizing that over time with other people. Mm. It's so cool to hear what it is for you, because I feel like for me, on one hand, it's almost the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Where I, coming home from Paris in August, I had a lot of alone time to the point where I was just not hanging out with friends and 
for me, a certain level of alone time is really good, but too much of it turns into this inner kind of spiral and kind of creating my own world within myself. And for me, sometimes part of that self-love process and journey is sharing it with others and finding those safe people who I can explore and share what I've been learning about and making myself go to that sexy dance class, even if minutes before I wasn't feeling it. So it's kind of this balance of enjoying and treasuring the time that I do have alone, but also allowing myself to feel good exploring with others and sharing what I learn and what I experience with others. And the other part for me in this season has been getting really disciplined with myself and my health. That's something that I've never allowed myself to prioritize as much as I am right now for many different excuses. But in the last couple of weeks, I was like, what does it look like if I really loved and took care of, of my physical body? And do I believe that I deserve that? Do I deserve to take care of myself the same way that I would want others to take care of themselves? So I'm on week two of Whole30. I've been doing my workout classes and have some people in my life who are helping me kind of be consistent with some healthy habits around meditation and drinking water. So for me, I would say self-love and being selfish right now is about finding the balance with my social life and prioritizing my health and my body. That's awesome. That's good to hear. I'm happy for you. I feel like Whole30 is something that is super challenging to do, but people always talk about the amazing benefits. So I'm excited to hear how it works out. Yeah, I feel like that's a whole other conversation because there's, I think, with a lot of diets, it seems like, oh, that's just to lose weight or this and that. And to me, this one in particular has been a lot about just being more aware of the foods that I eat, the cravings that I have, the habits that I've built around food. And it really is changing my relationship with food. (laughs) So that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Yeah. No, we'll definitely have to chat about that another time. But I'm so happy that we were able to catch up. And I hope that everyone was able to glean some insights about alone time and self-love from both of our perspectives. And we'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Absolutely. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I love that we get to explore what self-love looks like for both of us and looking forward to more as always. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. As always, any books, links, or resources that were mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes for you to access. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Or feel free to send us a direct message on Instagram at Elevate Potential Podcast if you would like to be a guest on this show. Finally, please subscribe and download episodes in order to support the community that we are creating of people who are working to elevate their potential together. Until next time.